Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, the inimitable Eddie Mercado. <laughs> Eddie, we're here coming to y'all right after the close of UFC 297. Drikus Duplessis, new UFC champion by split decision. And, uh, you know, it doesn't usually go down like that. It was a razor close fight. But I got no problems with the score. I kind of expected Duplessis would get the push. What did you think scoring it live? Um, well, scoring it live, I. I had it three two Strickland. Oh yeah, well yeah. Um, the, I, I will say, I thought I had it two two going into the fifth, and I thought Strickland just pushed harder in the fifth round to take it. Str- Strickland unquestionably won the fifth round. I find it very funny that Drikus Duplessis jumped on the mic and was like, "All the people out there saying I can't go, you know, five hard rounds. What do you think about Duplessis rounds like four and five? You know, it's like you. Everybody thinks you lost round five. Yeah, but he's a champion. I can't. He's champ. He can't. <laughs> whatever. He gets his moment. He gets his moment. But yeah, I had it rounds one and five were Strickland rounds, and did if I did not know better. I would score round three a 10 10. That would be where how I felt about it. Is it I thought rounds two and four two was close. I thought Duplessis edged it pretty solidly. And I four, gave, that's that's the one I gave Strickland. You gave Strickland round two? Yeah. It, was, right. it was close. But it looked like he kind of wobbled on maybe there. Yeah, it's hard to tell with Duplessis. He's right. he kind of wobbles all over the place all the time. It's true. And round four was obviously a Duplessis round. Yeah, and it was round three where they really, literally were just going shot for shot. And my only thought was, Duplessis is, and I hated, I hate doing this. I hated doing this. It was literally a body language thing. It was like... He's busier. Duplessis is busier. He's going forward. And Strickland looks unhappy about the fight he's having. Yeah. And judges shouldn't be using that for criteria. But they do. You know? they If they're about to score... They all know that you you cannot score a 10-10 round. You you score a 10-10 round. Big John McCarthy will get out of his desk at Bellator... And he will come around, and he will shove the the official MMA scoring criteria and guidelines. He'll make you eat them. He'll shove them down your throat. Hold on. Big John still has a desk? 
I mean, Bellator's not dead. I right? They they still are. They're still running some Bellator yeah. shows. I don't know if they have desks anymore. Okay, yeah, they might they might have sold off the desks. It's true. You got to recoup what you can out of that thing. That's right. But you don't. Nobody scores a ten ten round. Right. You score a ten ten round. Even the commission will pull you aside and be like, "What are you doing? You don't. Do, we don't do this here. This is not how it, how it works." So. Knowing that, you know that even then judges are going to look at things like aggression, body language, stuff like that. And they're going to go, well, I guess you got to lean that way. And that was really, for me, that was ultimately what this fight came down to. Because I had it to 2-2 going into round, uh, or I had it I had it 3-2, or two, at 3-1 going into round five, but it was easily, it could have easily been 2-2. Right. And it was just, you know, that one split round in the middle. Well, I mean, I can see the second round being split. Yeah. That's cool for Strickland, but I can easily see how Drickus could have taken that round. Yeah. And I gave three and four to Drickus. So, you know, not a robbery. Yeah. It's a really close fight. It was a really close fight, and I, you know, I think one three five Strickland is totally fine. I think oh. two three four Duplessis is totally fine. I definitely don't think Duplessis won round five, and I definitely don't think he won round one, and I definitely don't think Strickland won round four. So to me, two and three are your toss ups. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I love the way it ended. I love because. I was really worried for Strickland. He really looked like he was out of the fight and just done. Didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. Sticking out. But he fucking dug deep, man. Yeah, he did. He made it fun, and he went for it. And and like we're saying, he took that, that last round. Yeah, and all credit to him, too. He, you know, he could certainly be a much sorer loser than he was after that, too. He said, like, I thought I won. But maybe I'm also just, you know, being a pussy in his words. And, like, you know, and was happy to shake Duplessis' hands, hand and get out of there and whatever. He didn't. Maybe he'll go on about it, but I, I get the feeling that we probably won't be hearing a lot of him talking about getting robbed. It's not the Col- Colby Covington show where he gets on there and starts talking about how there's a liberal bias in the judging okay. and... The, the, this liberal UFC culture just doesn't have any yeah. place. Yeah. Since he, he spoke out against Trudeau. He's that's right. Speaking. That's right. They paid off. They paid off that Canadian. I don't even think. Were there? Uh, there were a couple local Canadian judges. I don't think any of them were involved in the title fight. Let me see. MMA decision. I, it didn't sound like it from when when they were reading it. Like, yeah, it sounded pretty familiar to me. But we did get a ten seven. We had Cleary, Cologne, and Damato. So yeah, no Canadian judges in the uh, in the main event. Um. So yeah, otherwise, I mean, you can see the angle that of what's go what's next from a mile away. You know, one of our re- uh, listeners here putting the immediate rematch out idea out there. 
but almost certainly the next thing on the radar here is going to be the Israel Adesanya fight. There was so much work put into building that fight up before Adesanya lost the belt. And then Adesanya was like, oh, I'm going to leave and I'm going to take this big hiatus and I'll be gone for like two or three years, whatever. And then, you know, like three weeks ago, he's like, ah, suckers, you all believe me, I'll be back. And then Duplessis gets on the mic and he's like, I want Adesanya next. You know the UFC is just going to make that fight. Like, couple things. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to completely just digress for a second. Okay. Drake bet a whole bunch of fucking money on Sean Strickland. Is that true? I, okay. I heard a, the- a, f- a theory. It's a fan theory. It's a theory, but I would believe it. That um, Drake just has a, whenever he does these things with these big bets, with these book- books, it's literally just a publicity stunt where they pay him to put down a bet in his name so it gets a bunch of publicity and it doesn't actually ever get counted win or loss. He just gets paid for the publicity. Yeah, I mean, could be. Could be. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't be surprised, but the curse lives on. But the curse does live on. The man does not pick winners. Here's the other part of it. So they do their little post-fight interview with the winner, with Drickus, yes. they do their post-fight interview with the loser, Sean Strickland. And then what do they do? They start playing Drake. <laughs> I'm just like, the irony. The irony. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what were you saying? <laughs> so I was asking you, Adesanya, Duplessis next. That seems like the obvious thing that, that they're just going to make happen. Um... If I were Drakus, I would try to get that title defense in. By the way, Sean Strickland, another guy who major upset in a title fight that went ahead and lost the belt in his very next fight. Mm-hmm. Joined the Holly Home, Matt Sarah, uh, all those the one hit wonders. Well, you know, a, a lot of times the major upset become, comes because a lot of really reasonably smart people believe that that person is not that great, you know? They're not like a real top championship fighter that's going to reign over the division. It's not what they see out there for him. Nobody saw Sean Strickland being the dude to beat Israel Adesanya other than Eric Nixick. I don't even know that Sean Strickland saw that he was the dude to beat Israel Adesanya. Yeah. Honestly. Like, the way he talked about that fight after he won it, he was like, I don't know who I was fighting out there, but it wasn't Israel Adesanya, you know? He was yeah. shocked. And, and so. to that, like, on that line of thinking, it, I'm not even, I can't, I cannot say Izzy's next. Like, I can't. Until I hear Izzy or see him on a fight poster, I'm just going to kind of wait on that and take sure, like a Conor McGregor sure. approach. Like, when he's booked, he's booked. But until then, I'm just going to count him out. Uh, it would be, I will admit, it would be, and I hate putting this energy out there into the universe because it's such a fan theory thing to do. And I've already done that once on this show. You need a tinfoil hat for this episode. I do, I do. I need to get out some some foil. But um, it would be a hell of a thing to make Duplessis versus Adesanya for UFC 300 as the main event. Yeah. 
I would rather see Duplessis and um, Sean Strickland's cornerman, <laughs> Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira, yeah, yeah. At 205 or 185, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Either way, that's a fucking banger. That um, is a great one. If you want to just do merit, you could do the winner of Vittori Brendan Allen. And that's if yes. Brendan Allen wins. Yeah, you could you could do some real weak shit like that. Well, that's what I mean. Drake is yeah, gonna get that yeah. defense in that first title defense. Yeah, they're gonna do Adesanya. They're gonna do a. I would think. I bet they would do a Robert Whitaker rematch before they did Brendan Allen off a win over Marvin Vittori. I don't know if he finishes Marvin Vittori. They gotta do him. You got like yeah. seven really no. or something. It's not that many, but it's a lot. No, they don't have to. He's Brendan Allen is ranked seventh, and a win over Marvin Vittori should never be the like absolute jumping off point. He beat Paul Craig no. and Bruno Silva in his last two fights. It's like Marvin Vittori is the new is the new Derek Brunson, and that's the thing. Drickus went the proper route to get the title. He went through Derek Brunson. It's true. It's true. You called for it. You wanted it. They, you know, more than anything, what they'd be more likely to do if they lack. All that other stuff, they're more likely to give Hamza Chimaev a title fight. True. The the broadcast was alluding to that. Yeah. And, like, that's fine, too. But he's another guy. Like, unless he's booked. I know. No, I don't. I he, Much more than Adesanya. Adesanya, I believe, will fight this year. Hamza Chimaev, I would be 0% surprised if he honestly never fought again. Like, if he just was gone mm-hmm. forever, because he, you know, he's already had, like, a scary thing with COVID where he almost retired. He was talking about wanting to join the Army to go fight in uh, Palestine last time he was in the Octagon. He, he's he got those kinds of political connections and those kinds of other outside MMA aspirations where I can see him like easily having a foot out the door. Adesanya, he fought a lot. He fought a lot more than people even recognize because he got so annoying over time. Nobody <laughs> won. <laughs> Everybody was just like, oh man, why am I so tired of this guy? It's like, okay, A, he's getting really annoying. B, he's actually, you're actually seeing him all the time. He's fighting like every three months, you know? And, and so, like, I, and promoting fights and just constantly yeah. turning yeah. that wheel. So I, I'm I'm sure he needed the break, but I'm also pretty sure that he'll be back. This, Dude, this whole division, it's like, where's Paulo Costa? He's he fight anymore? drinking secret juice. He's supposed to be booked to fight Robert Whitaker in uh, in California, but they asked him about the fight a couple days ago to ask him if he'd finally, if he'd signed the contract. Cause obviously this is a fight they've had advertised like twice before. And each time Costa's been like, I never signed a contract. And Costa was like, Oh yeah, I haven't gotten it yet. So I haven't signed it. Plus taxes in California are awful. <laughs> it's just like, Oh God. Uh, just, just literally fight, please. I think, uh, I think Whitaker, uh, Paulo does want to fight Whitaker, but his coach, Captain Eric, doesn't want him to fight that fight. Like, because why? That's a different yeah. fight. 
Like that's a he fought Yoel Romero twice, beat him twice. That Robert Whitaker is a is a tall order. So I think there's a discrepancy there on what the next they're playing chess. So, yeah, yeah. Well, checkers, it's MMA. Let's not give it to well, much. sure. <laughs> there's some strategy, but you know. Well, in All this right. division, it's Everyone's everyone's gone. Everyone's like Every, fighting. Everybody's in the mix. It is currently Adesanya was a dominant champ before him. We had some, you know, a lot of mixing and matching and all that. And we had uh, before that Anderson Silva was a dominant champ. And I think we're about to hit another era of the belt changes hands every couple fights. Yeah, it's going through what light heavyweight is going through. Mm-hmm. That's why if I were if I were Alex Pereira, I would drop right back down and fight Drickus and get that belt too. Sure, sure. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to talk about the co-main event. Well, hold here. on real quick. One more thing. You okay. know what I was really impressed with was uh, Sean Strickland's ability to get back to his feet, his scramble yeah. ability. He had a nice switch out there. His, he did give up the takedown, but he was also adamant about getting back to open space. No, oh, yeah, Strickland. He fought well. He fought well defensively in for his grappling was great defensively. But this also was a great proving point for why so few people were picking Strickland against Adesanya. And I know Adesanya is mostly kind of fighter, but he has been at times in his career much more willing to be a fighter who who counters behind his jab. Who puts out offense, draws out offense, responds to the offense he draws out. Is that and what Drikas Duplessis proved once again is if you push Strickland back with combinations, he is so focused on hand parrying as a key part of his defense. He loves to swat punches and to keep, you know, keep his hands as an active defensive tool. He really can't be much of a counterfighter. So Adrikas, when he was going forward and putting three or four shots together, Strickland would end up like he's going to swat at one and two, and then he ended up getting cracked by three and four. And Right. He would be successful when he would go first and either be first with a jab or yeah. cut off Drikas right when Drikas was about to come forward yeah. and just intercept him. But and, and he got away from that in the in – the, um, at the in the third and in the fourth rounds, and his corner really chewed him out about him. Like, yeah, I mean, start. it was just all about how willing Drikas was to swarm forward. And you know, had Adesanya been willing to to keep his jab, to be first and keep his jab out there and be active on the front foot, could have been a different fight. But what we saw over Adesanya slowly over his UFC career has been a fighter who is less and less active and more and more a guy who wants to sit back and counter and kind of fallen into that Woodley trap of like trying to set up the perfect couple strikes of offense in every fight. And yeah, I mean, it didn't, it wasn't a pretty fight from Duplessis, but he, he definitely cracked the Strickland code there of just keeping him on the back foot, keeping him having, having to adjust and having to guess. And he, he was down an eye. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Was swollen shut. Although corner, that's also credit to the corner. They did a great job controlling that swelling. By rounds four and five, like Drikas, he his eyes were his face was swollen a bit, 
but it wasn't nearly to the point where anything was closing up or anything. Like it didn't round, have an orbital fracture no. or anything. He had a mouse, yeah. but it didn't. Yeah, it didn't rounds like two and three. It was his left eye was looking real bad, but by rounds four and five, they got the swelling down enough that it was fine. So yeah. that's good cut work from his corner. All right. We have to talk about the co-main event sometime. We can't avoid it forever. All right. Raquel Pennington, Myra Bueno Silva. And look, all love to Raquel Pennington. She is the third fighter ever over the age of 35 below the welterweight or below the middleweight division to win a title fight in the UFC. Your Sub middleweight title fight winners over the age of or over the age of 35 are Tyron Woodley, Amanda Nunes, Raquel Pennington. That's it. So all credit in the world to her. That is a great achievement. This fight looked like it was happening underwater. It was the slowest motion thing. I have ever witnessed outside of a 30 for 30 highlight reel from ESPN. Like you, you could you've never, you've never drank promethazine right <laughs> in a Jolly Rancher. You never done the lean like these other kids robo tripping out here. <laughs> this was pure. Di- what is it? The diazepam from uh, Metal Gear Solid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Pure Metal Gear Solid sniper work. This was just absolutely. It was. It was. It was bad. They it was a bad thing to the clinch where Rocky wanted to be but couldn't do anything with, and Silva didn't want to be but actually could do something with. Yes, it was exactly. It was a very awkward dynamic they had going. Yeah. It was <laughs> and I mean look, I get it. Myra Buena Silva hasn't been to a fifth round since twenty seventeen on the regionals, which is a total whole different thing. But I believe this is her yeah, this is her second fight training for five rounds. Second fight in a row training for five rounds. So she at least should have done the training work. And there's really whatever way you want to go about it. She clearly quit on herself by the end of the fight. Well, she gassed. She She gassed hard enough to quit on herself in the only title fight she might ever get in her whole career. Nah. Who else is there? Okay, it's true. It's true. It's women's bantamweight. She'll get three more. Rocky Pennington just got a title shot. I know. I know. Um, But I think she might have gassed out um, just taking the back standing. Yeah, she's trying to hold that. I think she petered out doing that. And the longer the fight went and the more she kept getting hit, because she wasn't blocking much when no. when it was in open space, the little bit of time that it was in open space, I mean, it, she was going full Pez dispenser. She, she wasn't blocking anything, just getting hit, and that's tiring. And then all that clinching, oh, my goodness. Yeah, we... It does have to be said, we are now going to really be suffering with not only will the next title fight be bad, but we did, she, we have opened the door for Juliana Pena trash talk for the next several months in the build-up to it. And Oof. 
not looking forward to that. No. But yeah, this was just, you know, Buena Silva, like, I get it, you haven't been here before, but, you know, being poorly trained, that's, that's really a, that is a solvable problem that you could have come in here and you, you could have fixed coming in. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah? You think every other fighter that fought like she did in this fight would have gasped like she did in this fight? Maybe. That's what I'm saying. Like, when you take someone's back standing, like, yeah, that sucks. That is so tiring. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean... If she did, it's just really unwise energy use because she didn't get nearly enough for the that kind of effort that she put in. Yeah, exactly. It's what it cost she her. wasted her effort. She won the yeah. round, but she wasted all that energy. And then when she was hunting takedowns, she was failing and pulling half guard. Yeah. Like, that's was... tiring. And then, cl- like, clinching the whole time, that's exhausting. That's it the is. most exhausting part of all of this, honestly. It is. But, you know, Randy Couture, with just only a hint of potential testosterone use outside of that, he could clinch for five rounds all day. So. Oh, sure. Well, he was a Greco-Roman uh, god, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Or at least in the MMA world, you know, no one else was had that Greco in him at, the, at that point in time. Yeah. That's the key, Myra Buena Silva. Go get the Greco. Does not have the Greco-Roman wrestling chops like a Randy Couture. Yeah. Um, or anyway. or um, you know, a Muay Thai plum like Anderson Silva. Yeah, I mean, her, Buena Silva's game has always been really limited. It's just always sort of been a opportunistic trick-finishing game. But, uh, yeah, Raquel Pennington, she shouldn't have been the wall at which that doesn't work anymore, but she was absolutely the wall at which that does not work anymore. Well, hey, if the wall's in a title fight, fuck it. Yeah, I mean... But it's in this title fight. Like she had moments to win, right? She had yeah. the, the couple triangle attempts. She, that she had her, she had her chances. But shout out to Rocky for posturing up and escaping them, and mm-hmm. um, and just refusing to be played with some like diving on the lake. Yeah. yeah, like not having it. Like too too seasoned, been around too long to fall for rolling for an e bar or rolling for whatever. Just completely smashing her. And hey, you know what? If Pennington gets to walk away from all this with like a million bucks extra by the end of her MMA career, then good on her. Yeah, that'd be wild. <laughs> well, I mean, she'll get paid whatever whatever she gets paid for this, probably 250000 or whatever, and she'll get half a million for her next fight guaranteed and maybe some pay-per-view points. All told, if that adds up to a million bucks at the end of her career, then, you know, that's the amazing, an, an amazing late career turn for somebody who has been very much a, you know, kind of journey woman for years. You know? Well, if you're not first, you're last. But if you can outlast everyone else, then you can be first. Yeah, I mean, she when she fought Holly Holm for the second time. Oh, shit. We're talking 2020. Oh, Dude, there's a chance that one's coming down the fucking pipe as right? an event. Oh. Yep. 
But um, we're talking. Why'd you have to bring she, that up? When she fought Holly Holly Holm in 2020 and lost, she was up 10 and 8 at that point. Yeah. You know? Here comes that that main event. Now she's 16 and 8. Although, you know, too, at the same time, Valentina Shevchenko, just give up on Alexa Grasso. Go get the belt. It's right there. It's right there for you. You know? Go be champ at 135. Literally nothing is stopping you. I'm okay with that. I'd like to see it. All right. Now we get our old guy feel good moment <laughs> of the night for all us old guys in the audience. Um, although, although the the uh, you know fear for the children bad news moment of the night. Damn, Zane, <laughs> you're Look, perpetuating. I didn't say it. Neil Magny said it, but uh, <laughs> Neil Magny got absolutely worked he got neil magnied by mike malott for two rounds just picked apart and held and grapple smothered if neil magny had calf kicks if neil magny had calf kicks instead of a jab it was calf kicks but it was a neil magny performance from mike malott just a very here's my annoying range game here's my smothering wrap up grapple game that you just can't fight off for two rounds and Magni looked terrible. He has had 20 years to figure out calf kicks has not done it. He has had 20 years to figure out how to grapple off his back has not done it. This man let Mike Mulata was out there looking like Damian Maya on Neil Magni, just passing his guard like a butter. Every chance he gets noted, Wait, is is this guy actually a striking coach? Striking coach Mike Malott out there just absolutely wrecking Neil Magny with a body lock takedown. Like seven minutes. And then Magny got one takedown on Mike Malott. And in the vivisection, Connor and I were both like, this is the y'all must have forgot fight of the card because Mike Malott's best win is Mickey Gall. I know. And he was jumping up from Mickey Gall. In his last fight, Mike Malott beat Adam Fugit. Adam Fugit and Lo- Johan Lines, who we saw get absolutely wrecked by Sam Patterson on the early prelims. Those are Mike Malott's past two wins. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, well, he's going to go beat Neil Magny. This is like, Neil Magny is a huge step from this. Huge step up. And that gave me pause. Yeah. A lot going in, but I was like, ah, Malat's nasty. And Malat almost won this one. He was 15 he, seconds away he, from winning this one. He absolutely showed up. He showed up like I was just like, oh, man, we were so stupid. But this is also the. That's right. You're already mail it. Get 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 it in a box and put my address on it. Eddie. So, just so you know, 2023 staff pick champion right here, yours truly. Yeah. With that being said, Chris Curtis 
was the only fight I picked correctly on the main card. Oh. I did terrible this week. I, I did. did the, 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 the prelims ate me up. Main card, I did good. <laughs> but, um, I mean, the thing was, this loss was a... It, it was a out-of-your-depth loss from Mike Malott. It was a, you are used to beating up bums who go away, and here's a dude who is still there pressing you when you thought you already had the fight won. And he he collapsed. It was yeah, complete implosion. I, honestly, if he wouldn't have gone for that guillotine, he, he probably would have won the fight. Yeah. He went for the guillotine thinking he was slick, low time. And Magni's like, get that shit off of me. And then he goes for a single leg X attack, trying to go for a heel hook, trying to be cute with the leg locks, straight ankled in the knee bar to the heel hook to getting fucking smashed. Yeah. <laughs> Just smashed. Like, you got TKO'd by Neil Magni. <sighs> low IQ move right there. Very low. Very yeah. low. Yeah. And it's and that's an inexperience. Like that is just the the that is the kind of result of that kind of jump from smashing dudes who go away easy to fighting somebody who doesn't. You know, because you're fighting Adam Fugit, you didn't you don't even get a chance to make those kind of dumb mistakes. Fugit just collapses before it collapses before you do. But it was it's really weird to see him collapse like that, though. I mean, it's, that's concerning. It's concerning, but it's it's only weird when you consider that the last time he faced a really good competition, it was Hakeem Dawadu, and he lost then too. Like it, it it's weird, except that he's never beat anybody very good, and so it's a danger sign now that he's facing good competition. He should, he'll need to correct it, and who knows if he can or not? You know, he's already in his early thirties. But it's just it's the wrong time. To, it's, a, it's a little late to be finding your Achilles heel. <laughs> Good fighters. <laughs> yeah. Experienced, tough fighters. Yeah. UFC, UFC caliber fighters. Yeah. Not <laughs> just the, the, the Dana White contender series mess. Uh, all right. So yeah, Magni, he's just he's hanging out right there in that like you must be this tall to ride edge of the top fifteen. Still another year, more Neil Magni gatekeeper. Let's go, Neil Magni. Yeah. <laughs> who's Why not? The, the, who's the uh, next? Hey Zane, I'll bet you five donuts that Neil Magni doesn't get another uh, knockout finish. Um. Uh, you know what? I'll take that bet because sooner or later he's going to lose a couple more fights and they're going to really match him up with some Bobo again. And he'll he'll stomp him. He might submit him. I don't think he's going to. I will buy you five donuts. Okay. All right. Let's see. In the meantime, who who's the next guy that seems like he could be about to like go on a run that people are kind of excited about? Uh, at 170, yeah, where's Jack Della Madalena? Oh, he's already on to bigger things. Jack, yeah, what's he doing? He is fighting. Oh, wait, let me 
he is fighting Gilbert Burns Ooh. at UFC 299. Yeah. Two months away. Uh, we got, as you say, Brian Battle's fight fighting Angelusa, but he, oh, Battle also lost his last fight, too. Guess we'll get him out there. Oh, Michael Morales, maybe? That that would be the next Neil Magny fight? Sounds about right. He's unbeaten, currently coming off a win over Jake Matthews and Max Griffin. Magny feels like the next logical step. Sure. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that brings us to a middleweight bout. Chris Curtis, Mark Andre Barrio, and uh, okay, so I, that was more of a that that was more of a Spanish Barrio than the the French Barrio. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> but Mark Andre Barrio, and uh, this was you know I mean I like Chris Curtis a lot. I like his game a lot. But the action man really is kind of a weird misnomer for him because he is so much the like slow and steady, cautious, pick your spots man. And it pretty much leads him to close fights in every fight where he doesn't get a knockout. And Barrio's tough as hell. And Curtis, you know, he started, he got it, he started to get his fight the further it went. But he let Barrio be right there, nip tuck with him every step of the way. That's just, I think, um, kind of a somewhat of an unexpected stylistic matchup. I really expected, I, I, I expected Barrio to just come forward and Curtis to come yeah. and step back countering. And when Barrio didn't come forward, it. Curtis is like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do if you're not going to give me anything? You know, it took him a while to actually figure out, oh, I need to draw something out. I can't. Yeah, he almost got into that uh, Jack Hermanson mode where he was just getting really frustrated and just like, dude, if your opponent's not going to punch first, you got to punch first. You can't just stand there and wave them into the center and say, do something. Like, you also have to do something. Yeah, and he did. He started ripping to the body, you know, started going forward. And uh, I thought it was, it was a pretty decent fight as it went on. By round yeah, three, it really picked up. It, it, round three became the fight we'd all hoped to see, which was Barrio biting down and Curtis responding, and both men just going back and forth, hammer and tongs inside that dynamic. Barrio has gotten a lot better over his UFC career. A lot better. Sure. Like, this is a fight that he would have lost, no question, you know, three or four years ago when he was dropping fights to Christoph Yatko. Um, he probably would have got finished by Curtis. Yeah. But now he has improved a lot, and he knew what he needed to do to draw a bad fight out of Chris Curtis, and he almost got the win. Fun fight in the end. I, I did not know how. How is this a split decision? You got two 30-27s and a 29-28 the other way. Let's see. What what do our st- – I, I, this was a fight that I actually – I I thought I, – I think I said when it closed that it could have easily been a 30-27 either way. Damn. Because I – I mean, I picked Curtis to as the winner. I, I felt he did enough to win, but, like, 
the first two rounds of this fight were both just dead close. Neither guy doing enough. Curtis forcing himself to lead while also eating a lot of shots. No, the second round, he busted the nose. And then the third was them just both going back and forth, hammer and tongue. Third was close. By the stats, it was Curtis getting credit for 140 of 258 strikes and Barrio getting credit for 122 of 243 strikes. So, you know. And that's all numbers that the judges aren't seeing. So they were they were real close in every round. But I mean, I'm glad that Curtis's quality, his better quality of strikes showed through. But you you know, that's chancy work for the judges. Mm. And these are MMA judges we're talking about here, Eddie. I mean, yeah, I know. This is it's just <laughs> wild to see a split decision with two thirty twenty sevens and then one card the other way. I know. I know. All right. Uh, yeah, great fight for Curtis. He really kind of a must-win fight for him, too, because he had gotten himself right up into the bottom of the rankings and was kind of getting beat out of him to a point where it's just like, okay, well, you're, you know what, you're 36, and you, you're on your, one, your, one, your late career run. You get to the UFC. You're making your run up the division. You're losing the big fights, and now you take the step back to Barrio, and it is a step back. You kind of got to win this fight, you know? So, sure. Could set him up for... He suffers from the the same thing Sean Strickland does. Mm -hmm. He's just, like you were saying earlier, he's just in these close fights. It's his style. It is. He... Especially, he's just, he's such a perfectionist of like, oh, I want to see just the right strike come. I'm going to counter it with just the right move. And if I don't see just the right strike, I'll just wait. And I'll I'll wait until something better. You know what? It's a lot like how uh, Masvidal used to fight uh-huh, back uh-huh. in the day when he was losing. All very similar. Games. It's a very similar career path, honestly, for both of them. These are both dudes who fought a ton before ever getting to the UFC and then put together late runs. For Masvidal, he carried it to title fights, but, you know. Curtis, it's a very it was it's a very similar style and career path that they both run. But yeah, now we could, you know, potentially get another fight like Kyle Bahio or Paul Craig or something like that, you know, borderline top fifteen. Yeah, those are definitely fun. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That moves us to a featherweight bout. Movsar Ivloev, Arnold Allen, and this is a robbery. A robbery? Not because of the scoring. Because, no, because uh, of the whole. Oh, because of the knee rule. Yeah. Which I will say, I I don't know if you were on Twitter when I when I was on the the account and I was like, that's bullshit. Under any good interpretation of the hand down rule, it should be a weight bearing hand. Right. If you're not putting weight on it, it's not an illegal knee. But. Ontario's rules are like 10 years out of date, apparently. So literally any any part of the body but the soles of the feet being on the mat is automatically no knees to the head of a grounded opponent under Ontario ruling, which 
is bullshit. A lot of water has gone under the bridge since we had those rules. And even then, the spirit of that rule is not supposed to be a, oh, finger tr- fingers down. Like, you can remember back in the day when John Jones came out and he was all, like, crouching and v- Vitor Belfort threw a head kick at him. And Big John McCarthy is like, you're playing the game. You know, I don't care. Because mm-hmm. the spirit of the rule is not meant to protect somebody playing the game. It's meant to perspe- protect somebody who is in a defenseless position. Right. So. Yeah, I think that was, uh, I understand the call. I respect the call. But the call, the, the rule is bullshit. The, it's, it's, it's a shitty situation. Evloev yeah. uh, was hurt. Yep. That could have been a finishing situation. It could have led to a 10-8 situation. And so that's what I mean when I say yeah. there's a robbery. There was an intervention from the official for a situation that's a gray area. And that yeah. sucks. Like that's it does it shouldn't be a gray area. It no. should be fucking legal across yes. the board, always. One hand down, two hands down, no hands down, one knee down, an elbow down. I don't care. A knee should be legal. Yeah. It would be. I, I, you're not going to get disagreement from me, but I will also just say, in the spirit of the rules, it is very, it should, it should be legal, even with the way the rules are written by the spirit of the rule. That's not what the, the, man, history would be so different. Peter Yawn would have never lost to Aljo. This fight wouldn't have gotten stopped. Um, Anthony Smith might have gotten finished by John Jones. I mean, the Peter Yan one is very much the spirit of the rule, even by the spirit of the rule. Sure. It's illegal what Yan did. Sure, sure. But you're right. If we if we allowed them all the time, it would be totally different. And uh yeah, I mean the biggest thing otherwise for me here though is this is exactly like I picked Evloev because this was a three-round fight and not a five-round fight. If this had been a five-round fight. I probably would have picked Arnold Allen. But the chances of him getting out-wrestled for a couple rounds and that being enough to sway the whole thing were just too high. But by the end of this fight, Allen was putting it on him. And I still feel have this feeling like Ivlov really needs another gear as a striker, defensively, if not offensively, to be an elite uh, elite competitor at the top end of this division. Like he's, he's, he's still, you know, going to be knocking on the door of a title shot after this, but it really does feel like he might have a lot of trouble with the, the very best in five round fights. I scored this for Allen. I gave him uh, the first and the third. That's I I, the striking on the feet. I felt like the grappling didn't didn't meet, account for much damage at all. And then the third round, I mean, come on now. I can understand it. Third round, he definitely won. I could understand an argument for the first. I did not think any judges would give it to him, and none of them did. I just thought that the 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 because the even without the control, slamming takedowns are still counted as like effective offense and he had some times where he tossed Allen to the mat hard and he got a he control he 
was oh, the offensive force here. over they the back half of the trying to hear this shit. Look, I'm just telling you why the judges scored the way they did. I'm it's not saying that you have to be wrong. Counted uh, much more than it, it did for Allen in that first round. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm, you know what? I don't think you're out of pocket. I don't think you're out of pocket. But Evoyev, he did let his strikes go in the second round. No, he he, he won the second one unquestionably. He he found a way to hurt Allen, get some respect, and um, but his grappling was low damage. Yeah. Uh, Look, I can see the argument. All I'm saying is that now you do Evloev, Josh Emmett, and you make it a five-round fight. Sure. Because Evloev has to strike in the pocket. He doesn't have a range game. And Emmett is hard as hell to take down. Yeah. Nobody holds down Josh Emmett. And... He's new I want to watch that pocket. Yeah, <laughs> that man. I w- I want to watch that fight. That's that's all I'm saying. Don't do Mopsar Evil Web Giga Chikadzi. I don't want to see that. <laughs> right. Fuck yeah. That's a waste of Giga. Yeah. Other otherwise, Evil Web called hit for his title shot, and with Allen ranked number four in the division, he just might get it. Who knows? We'll see if Ilya Topuria wins. That'll change a lot of things because Yair Rodriguez is fighting Brian Ortega. And those are two dudes that have absolutely fought Alexander Volkanovsky, but have absolutely not fought Ilya Topuria. So, you know, if there's a shakeup there, we'll see what happens. All right. That brings us down to the prelims. Where Garrett Armfield beat Brad Katona. I kind of thought Katona won this, but I also I, don't. I care. scored it for Katona. I don't know what's going on with the scorecards. I've I've scored so many of these fights the other yeah. way, and I'm like, is it me? Am I fucking? Has, has the success gone to my head, Zane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Katona won this too, but. He really, he's very clearly a very strong, fast, good athlete who fights without a game plan. It's just all figuring out what the move he can do in the moment is, what the opening in the moment is. There's no structure to his game at all. And it kind of means he fights down to the level of all his opposition. And he really paid for it this time. He doesn't lose a lot of fights, but almost every Brad Brad Katona fight I have seen has looked razor close, even against guys he was way better than, yeah. and he just paid for it here. You know, uh, unfortunately, I, yeah, he won it. I don't know. I thought he won it too, but I'm not going to go out there and like, you know, campaign for it. It was a close fight, and yeah. a lot of a lot of these card, a lot of the fights on this on this card could have gone the other way. Yeah, it's weird that they're all on the same card though. Yeah. Now, before that, we got Charles Jordan, Sean Woodson, and uh, the decision that I had I this went the other Woodson. way. You thought for Jordan? Uh, yeah, I thought the second round was really close, but I thought he just did better work on the feet. I I I picked. I think I picked Woodson to win it. I thought Jordan figured out the fight he needed to have in round three, though, like. By round three, it was like, oh, yeah, this is 
the the potential for you to win this fight was right here all along. Yeah. I think it was so. just difficult for him to deal with that range of Woodson. Yeah, it was. He, he, he wanted because he started out with this whole like, oh, I'm gonna fight him out at kicking range. Yeah. This is like that's a terrible idea. You you can't win this fight against a guy who has nine inches of reach on you at kicking range. And he didn't. And by the time he figured out he had to come forward and swarm, he figured it out late, but it took a while. And round two was, it was a close tipping round. I'm not going to, you know, say this couldn't have gone either way, but I'm not surprised Woodson won it. First round was close too. I'm not going to lie. I thought Woodson took the first one, but it was still pretty close. Let's see. What what do we have statistically here? We have Woodson. He out, he outlanded Jordan like two to one in round one. On uh, by stats, I don't know. You know, I know we don't want to put too much weight on those things because sure. was the second don't. round though? Second round was twenty two twenty eight for Woodson, so it was very close. Although forty one twenty seven for total strikes, but significant strikes. Very close. And then round three was dead even, 21-20. So with uh, Jordan landing the more total strikes. And having that late guillotine attempt. That was and having the, the submission attempt. Close. Yeah. I thought Jordan clearly figured out what to do in round three, but it was, you know, it, it was just not a great performance early from, from him. And Woodson's style is, you know, Nah, it's not. He's like a seven foot featherweight. Yeah, <laughs> that's tough to deal with, man. Like, it is. Like it fighting is. a tree. All right. Before that, we had Ramon Tavares, Sergey Cide, and thought this one went the other way. Yeah, I picked Cide too. Here, I thought Cide won. I got nothing, man. I don't. Know. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, once again, yeah, just second round, though, right? Because Tavares, Tav- it's not Tavares. No, it's Tavares. Tavares. Yeah. He scored. He not. He got a knockdown. He scored a knockdown. Yeah. But he also got his nose exploded. Yeah, that was the thing. Is that I thought that even getting knocked down in round two, I thought Cide did enough that he might have come back and taken that round because the back half of it was a pretty dominant round for him over the back half of that round. And then round three, I thought he won. And so I gave him rounds two and three. And Tavares, I gave round one. But, eh, you know, whatever. And the dude missed weight by four pounds. Missed weight again. Yeah, that's the thing that to me sucks. This was a fun fight, so I can't. You can't be like, oh, you def-, you know. I will say, see, they never should have accepted this rematch. You got a TKO over a dude who missed weight the first time. You got nothing. Like, okay, Dana White hated it. You got nothing to prove. You don't need to go back and redo this. Move on. Be like, no, I'm sorry that the you know that he thinks he could have won that fight. He didn't. I'm moving on. That's all. I don't care. 
But to take this fight again and have the dude miss weight again, and then for you to come out the loser, like, that just sucks. That is why you don't take this rematch. It's a stupid, worthless fight on the bottom end of a UFC card. Nobody cared about it in the world. Dana White probably didn't even show up in the octagon by the time this fight was on. He was probably still, like, out having drinks and playing craps, you know? Yeah, but maybe he was like, hey, I need to burn through this starter contract. <laughs> no, I mean, I get it. You, UFC has all the cards here. They tell you to take this fight. You're going to take this fight. But it just, it sucked. It was a fight that didn't need to get booked. And even though the fight was fun, you still got to look at this for CDA and just be like, man, you got jobbed. Like, you, you got talked into a raw deal. He'll probably get talked into it again. No, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> These fighters got no leverage. He's just. I watched this again. This was a great fight. It was. It was fun. They'll. They. they sh- if you see day now, then you demand that you get it back. Like now, you. You see day's in the position where he's got to be like, no, you've got to. This dude missed weight twice. You have to let me have this fight again. I'm not carrying a, a no loss. Kind of home cooking. Yeah. No kind of Canadian love for. Canada didn't do they didn't do that great tonight. No, they did not. Not a, not a good night for the Canadian dudes. No. Canadian ladies came through. Canadian dudes did not. All right. That brings us to Jillian Robertson, Pollyanna Viana. And this was like the easy lock of the whole card. I know now we're doing staff picks. I'm sure you had it. I think you even tweeted out you had it as your lock of the card. Yep, she was my lock. I had it as my lock of the card. I had it as my bonus winner fight of the card. It yes. got a bonus. Did she get a bonus? She did. Well, I guess that I, doesn't. Well, I guess it does matter because it's points now. Yeah, it's points now. I had an abysmal week, but I got the points. The bonus. That's points. right. You get the bonus points. That's all. That's what matters. So feeling a little bit like Sean Strickland over here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this was just kind of a a really easy call. Good fight for Robertson. After this, she's calling for a ranked top fifteen opponent. I guess whatever. Um, Could do her against like. Angela Hill or Michelle Watterson. Does Watterson even fight anymore? I mean, she just fought. She's like on a like six fight losing streak or something. Four. Four fight losing four. streak. Just got her absolute shit wrecked by Marina Rodriguez in September of last year. Yeah. But that's only a few months ago. I guess Robertson's not a bad matchup for her, though. Yeah. But what I liked here is is how Robertson went for that arm bar in the first round, and she didn't get it, and she ended up on the bottom. And yeah. In the second round, the arm bar was there all day, and she's like, "Nah, nope. I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm gonna pass on this in lieu of the ass whooping, <laughs> and just beat the brakes off of her." Oh man, I just saw though. Apparently, Neil Magny did not get a performance bonus. For his uh, five seconds of uh, awesome. Well, I mean, it was a hell of that. If you're not going to give a performance bonus for that kind of comeback, like that is that is a magical comeback. It's a it's a 
it was a terrible performance from him overall, but it's a momentary, you know, you got to reward the brilliance. It was a magical moment. Yeah. But uh, who? so who got the bonuses? Uh, bonuses, Strickland Duplessis got Fight of the Night. Oh, which, I think that to be Fight of the Night. Let's go. Oh, man, I did not. If I picked anything to be, I think, what did I pick to be Fight of the Night? I probably picked the Woodson. No, I picked Evil of Allen, I think, okay. or Woodson. I, almost, I wanted to pick that so bad, but then I didn't. I might have also picked Woodson Jordan. One of those. Really? I, I, I'm trying to, I was trying to think of a fight that there was no way one guy could just get laid on or ground out for, for five rounds. Okay. So. No, you, you went know. Chris Curtis, Mark Andre Barrio. Okay, I went Curtis Barrio, which that had a, that had a reasonable third round. Yeah, round three, but so Strickland Duplessis won fight of the night. Robertson and Jusuda Vicius got performance bonuses. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Sure. Yeah. I would have given Magny one for the comeback, but anyway. Sam Patterson, Johan Linus, um just an absolute shit show of a fight, if we're being honest. <laughs> Linus got taken down from a front headlock. Look, I know Sam Patterson is like eight feet tall, but Linus, you're not a small middle, you're not a small welterweight, you're not tiny out there. What are you doing getting taken down from a front headlock? Well, uh, no, nah, Patterson put himself in that uh, situation. He he. This was a systematic strangulation, like from start to finish, from the way he he got into that front headlock to the shucking him down to the taking of the back. I mean, this was uh, just. It was systematic. Everything was just one after the nut, one after another. Linnaeus just didn't, he didn't know what to do. He was just letting it happen. Like they just seemed, they seemed miles apart. Yeah. He, he didn't have any idea. It's just, you should not be getting to the point, even if it's systematic. You should, you should, there, there are like two or three steps in that system where you should be like, oh, hey, I should not let this happen. I'll just stop and like, back away and turn and break the hands here. But like when he took the back, he already had. Oh, no, no, no. But by the time he took the back, we're way too far in. I'm just talking at the point where your opponent is standing facing in front of you and then gets their arms, their armpit over the top and back of your head and has you in a front headlock and then starts dragging you. There's a point right in there where you should be like, Oh wait, I should probably stop this from happening. Yeah, for sure. You know, (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's a faux pas. Oh, we got a question here. How low will this rank on pay-per-view buys? I'm gonna say three hundred and fifty thousand with the caveat that it might be lower because uh right wing trolls don't only pirate pay-per-views anyway. So it might only be two hundred thousand. Oh. Um are you going to blame Canada? I have no idea. I'm not even going to weigh in on how many buys right. it did. It couldn't have been. It's not on pay-per-view in Canada, right? Uh, I thought that was a uh, USA I, I, thing. They, I know they, 
I don't know. Can Canada? Let's see. It might be, it might have been pay per view in Canada. Yes. But I mean, aside from the main event, it was on Sportsnet Plus. I know, and I don't know if Sportsnet Plus does. Um. Pay-per-view for Canada or not. I don't no longer remember. Yeah, I mean, maybe somewhere around there. But I, I would bet that, like... No it, records were broken. It, it would be, be sub-500,000, but I could see it doing okay in that just because Strickland has energized a portion, a, a sizable portion of MMA fandom that is there just for, like, you know... Yeah, it's not. Lips. It's not gonna. It's not gonna eclipse Power Slap Six. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right. Now let's move in to the last couple fights here: Jasmine Jasudavicius, Priscilla Cachoeira. I really thought Cachoeira had a chance to like go out there, make Jasudavicius come to her. And land big shots in the pocket with Jasuda Vesius doing her whole walk forward and throw Terminator thing. Because Jasuda Vesius is not like fast or a great shot wrestler. She's just, you know, tends to have to like clinch up and fight her way to the ground and all that and walk in through shots and all that. Instead, Cashware just like bum rushed her and made Jasuda Vesius look like the best shot wrestler since Kane Velasquez. Just, I don't know about that. I, okay, I know it's hyperbolic, but like, let herself get power doubled across the octagon by how badly she gave her hips up in that fight. And then pretty much just got her ass absolutely whipped all the rest of the way, every minute for the rest of the fight. The only time I ever thought Priscilla Cachoeira had a moment or had a chance or even a glimmer of hope in this fight was when it was announced that this was getting moved to 135 pounds instead of flat. Yeah, you're smarter was, than me. I was like, okay, so they're gonna uh they're gonna try to salvage this fight. They're not yeah. gonna the attempt to get this down to 125 and go through that whole rigmarole. I was like, well shit, Jazz Davicius, she's coming to grapple. Cashmere yep. is gonna be huge. So maybe she can stop the takedown. Cashewera can maybe stop the takedown, keep it on the feet, and let her heavy hands go. Um, but no way. Fuck that. I, I she was getting choked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're smarter than me. I thought that I thought Cashewera might have been able to to do something like the Lipsky fight. You know, make her walk in and catch her cold. But it it was never gonna this. She got a 10. Jasuda Vicious got a 10-7. Ten, ten, she seven. got a 10-7. She and you know what? 181 more strikes. Yeah. I'm not even mad about it. What? You know what I am mad about? They called it an anaconda. This was a darce. Yeah. How dare they disrespect? Well, this is a good this is a good point somebody made that uh with Drikus's eye, the idea that they do, could do Adesanya at UFC 300, probably not. With how bad it's for. Anyway, finally, Jimmy Flick, Malcolm Gordon. 
And, uh, you know, Malcolm Gordon, also in the same sort of cashewara vein, really had the path right there to beat Jimmy Flick and just absolutely went crazy trying to bum rush him. I I guess probably because he knew this was the last fight of his career, which he wasn't telling anybody else. Because the moment he lost, he took his gloves off, and I expect he's done. But he was trying to put a stamp on Jimmy Flick and instead just gave up a really pretty nice duck under from Jimmy Flick to take his back and end up getting the submission. Uh, he was determined to find a way to get submitted. Yeah, game. that's what it felt like. <laughs> right. You had the near triangle in the first round. You had that. He went for the guillotine and, and yeah. he reversed into a Von Flu. Yeah. <laughs> wicked. So he was going to do whatever he could to uh, to get submitted. And he found a way. He did. He, did. he was And Flick was on rubber legs. Like you had all you had to do is just back off a minute. Flick's wrestling had did was not effective at any point on the front foot. Not one shot that he tried worked. It was only Malcolm Gordon going absolutely batshit. And Flick, like I say, he hit that nice duck under for like a basically standing back take to drag this fight down. And that was <laughs> ah. but uh then afterward Flick described himself as if Habib and Damian Maya had a baby. And I just got to say, that's that must have been one fucked up kid. Because if that if that's the 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 child, that is not the grappling. That is not the grappling of that marriage. <laughs> uh, it might be the striking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might have been talking about his striking. Although Khabib did drop Connor. Yeah, no, no, no. Khabib actually, you know, he was an a- he was an athlete enough to have some surprising hands. Yeah, and Maya had form. I I will still remember that whole Damian Maya is just as good bad a striker as Ben Askren debate, and then they put them in the octagon together, and Maya just mopped the floor with Askren standing. Yeah. I remember when Colby Covington got a little upset because I asked him whose striking was better, his or Tammy and Maya. And then Maya went out and pieced him up on the feet. Yeah, Maya had form. Khabib had he had the speed and power. Even from that standpoint, Jimmy Flick is no. He you know maybe like No. You know, it's just... more like it's more like a Dustin Hazlitt and like yeah. Or like you clone Dustin Hazlitt, like multiplicity where. Yeah. And they you know, started to run out of toner. Like the later clones were just. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, 
the Hey Not The Face podcast, the MMA vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA depressed us.